0: Talk about planning ahead. Have you heard the news? Well, the news is this. July 17th to 21st, there's going to be a life-changing Eucharistic Congress in the heart of the Midwest. And we're inviting you to join us there. You can come be a part of the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis next summer. You can meet your favorite show hosts. Join us for the Family Rosary across America each night on the main stage. And most importantly, we will be together with 80,000 other Catholics, and adoring Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So, let's show up for Jesus next summer in Indianapolis. Learn more and get the latest information about the Congress by signing up at relevantradio.com slash Indie. We are kicking off yet again, continuing into our Theology of the Body series. And it's so much more than this whole idea of a theology of sexuality. I think that's important. A lot of people have read commentaries on it. My hope is that you will join me in unpacking this. Our last talk, we ended on understanding this really important idea that the historical state of the human person is original innocence, this place of sanctifying grace where we're in complete, perfect relationship with God. So much so God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And yet original sin came, human sinfulness and concupiscence, that is understanding of our tendency towards sin. But what's important when we talk about the historical state of the human person and understanding our anthropology of as human beings is that there's the redemptive dimension of the body that the true historical state of the human person is that state of original innocence, that perfect relationship with God, and therefore those perfect relationships with other human beings. God has the intention to redeem our bodies yet again and to draw us back up into himself, back into that original state of innocence, to restore us to grace. In fact, I keep thinking about St. Paul's writing when he says in Romans chapter 8, Pope St. John Paul II quotes paul when he says we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly while we wait for the redemption of our bodies what he's talking about is that all of creation the human person even the earth is groaning inwardly waiting to be redeemed yet again by the grace of christ on earth and so as we talk about this this leads us into a really important point of theology with regard to the human person. And that is if we dive back into sacred scripture, reading about our human anthropology, that in Genesis chapter two, which is the second version of the creation account of the human person, we read about this progression and God creating, and we read about the creation of Adam first and then Eve, but focusing for just a little bit, we'll get to Eve a little later in the creation and that complementarity, but what's significant is the state of what theology refers to as original solitude. We read in Genesis chapter two that it says, it is not good that man should be alone. I want to make him a help similar to himself. In other words, Pope St. John Paul II in his fifth of the 133 catechetical talks points to the fact that solidarity of the human person says a lot about who we are. First is human persons, that is in that state of solitude before God, that we're not meant to be an isolation, an island, that there's more with regard to our identity that can be unpacked in understanding original solitude, which I'll get to in a moment. And two, it also emphasizes that we also have this fundamental dimension of who we are as human beings that is either male or female, not one or the other that we choose arbitrarily that God creates us, either male or female. And that has a significant and important mark on our relationships, how we relate one to another. Pope St. John Paul II is emphasizing that in that loneliness, that is, in being alone at the dawn of creation, Adam is existentially significant in his aloneness prior to this definition of being a male or female. So, what does that mean? Pope St. John Paul II says that this original state of solitude, the fact that in sacred scripture the Holy Spirit inspired these words that it's not good that the human person should be alone, that we understand something fundamentally anthropological about who we are as human beings. And that's understood when we go to the example of Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, when we read that God formed every kind of animal, the field and all the birds of the air, and brought them to Adam. Now, Adam is a representative of a single human being, not just man, it's a bothan, but of all humanity. And what we see here is that God brought all the animals to Adam to see what Adam would name each animal. And we read about him naming every animal on earth, the cattle and so forth. Pope Saint John Paul II refers to this naming of animals as a test for Adam. It's a moment for him to understand himself. Pope St. John Paul II says that here, the first man, that man gains consciousness of his own superiority and he cannot be put on par with any other species of living being on the earth. So what does this mean? That the first person, being Adam, realizes a sense of self-consciousness, that he understands he can think. This idea of sentience that we talk a lot about in artificial intelligence today, that he has a sense of knowledge, but he has a sense with that of superiority over the rest of creation, of dominion. And that with that, Adam realizes that he's not on par, as Pope St. John Paul II says, with the rest of creation. No. When we talk about the rest of creation, we're talking about what he visually sees, but also what he sees in the animated animals and the continuation of different plant species. There he realizes that there's no complement to himself. There's nothing, no one similar to who he is. And so we see here that the first human person being Adam is searching for his own being, his own definition, his own identity. How relevant is this to what we're seeing in the midst of the exact culture that's asking about identity and definition today? It's the same human condition today that Adam experienced, and this is why this idea of original solitude is presented in theology is significant, because it points us to understanding that the only definition and identity we will ever truly flourishing is our God-given identity created in the image and likeness of God. And so as we continue to play out this basic concept in all of Theology of the Body, we're starting with a baseline of saying the definition and identity of the human person is rooted in being created in the image and likeness of God with complementarity, but also with understanding that without complementarity, there's something very significant going on that we see, we understand, and desire it. And from there, we see this idea of having intellect and free will. Pope St. John Paul II in the first handful of talks focuses in on those first creation accounts in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. You should read along if you can while we're walking through this. But right now we're talking about this idea of what it meant for God to create the human person alone before he created Eve. That is, what did it mean for Adam to be alone? We read in Genesis chapter 2, it is not good that man should be alone. I want to make him a help similar to himself unpacking this significant element in Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, we see right here that in Adam being alone, having the opportunity to name all of the animals, having that sensitive dominion, he has, in a certain respect, a search for himself. There's a test that occurs we'll unpack in a moment. It's a defining moment where he's searching for his identity. In philosophy, from an Aristotelian perspective, this is referred to as a concept of proximate genius. This idea where there's a statement that helps to explain the very nature of a thing. In other words, the very nature of who and what we are as human beings. Now the state of being alone, theologically referred to as original solitude, actually really helps to explain the essence of nature of who we are as human beings. It's a defining moment, as you might say. Many people say there are defining experiences and moments in their lives. This is the defining moment for us as human beings, helping us to discover and understand Our humanity, as we've been walking through this creation account of the human person, it first points to the difference between us and the rest of the visible world. Specifically, I would say second, the difference between us and the rest of the living beings, plants and animals. As Adam's going about naming everything, he's realizing they're different from him. And he, at the end of the day, what we discover, Adam, representing the first human person, is more like God than anything else on earth. In fact, as we look at this understanding of being alone in the garden, there's a sense of knowledge that is this idea of consciousness, of self. And looking and naming all of the animals, the first person, Adam, suddenly recognizes himself as different. And with that, he also understands the significance of free will and choice. We also see that there's a greater sense of him as a human being. And I think that this is especially relevant because we talk so often about knowing and getting to know ourselves based on our experiences. But at the end of the day, the defining moment, the identity that we need to come to know is through that defining moment of our experience and relationship to God. No other defining moment should define us. In fact, Pope St. John Paul II, says in the sixth of the catechetical talks that the human person has, quote, a unique, exclusive, and unrepeatable relationship with God. That's really important. He says unique, exclusive, and unrepeatable. That's what our relationship with God is. That is, it's unique, exclusive, and unrepeatable, as in different from the rest of all of creation, but also apply it in a subjective sense with each and every single human person. What's true of the first human being, Adam, is also true of us. This is the context and defining moment and identity that we need to come to. It's rooted in God. And I think that this is where the choice becomes so difficult for us as human beings. Even the choice that Adam himself faced with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what would he choose in that self-determination as he encountered that tree? And the one commandment at the dawn of creation that God originally gave him to not eat from it this is where we start to understand in this defining experience of understanding god created adam alone in the garden that we aren't made for this world as adam's naming all the animals the body his body reveals that we aren't like the rest of the world we're not like the rest of creation pope saint john paul ii at one point refers to the body as a body among bodies in other words We are more than this. Yes, we have a body, so does the animal, but we aren't just a body among bodies. We have a transcendental dimension to us, We a transcendent dimension. We're so much more than what we understand, what we appear to be. I keep thinking when I was reading that comment from Pope St. John Paul II of the book Cheap Sex by Mark Ragnaris And I remember in reading the book, it kind of pointed to this idea that we've, in this culture, become a culture of pieces of meat rubbing up against each other and interacting. You can fill in the blank and that we're so much more than this. That as we're sharing in the created world, we have free will. We have choice. And Mark Rignaris in his book, Cheap Sex, points to the fact that women predominantly historically have always upheld the yes or no of intimacy. And that women are the gatekeepers of honoring and protecting the potency of human life and the gift of marital love. And so Adam sees himself in the garden when he's naming the animals that God presents to him as alone different. He has a sense of conviction that Adam didn't focus on how similar he was in that experience of naming the animals. He didn't focus on how similar he was to the animals, but instead on this idea of being alone. And this makes me even think about the idea of what does it mean to be holy? To be holy means to be set apart, to have a purpose. And so, Pope St. John Paul II, in Unpacking Theology of the Body, was prophetic in helping you and I to focus in on discovering that sense of purpose, identity, and to find that defining moment, to understand fundamentally that we're more like God than the rest of creation. And as we are in this midst of an identity crisis, an existential crisis in society, where we've turned our backs on God, we've even turned our backs on our own bodies, We have to understand in that state of loneliness that we keep turning in on ourselves in, that we discover there's no other creature, animal-like level, that's like me but the human person. And the human person was created by God and created like God. And that's a defining moment for us, to understand the pursuit of God in our self-identity. And this is what we'll continue to unpack in Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body this week, understanding what it means for God to create us alone in the garden prior to creating that complement of male and female. Pope St. John Paul II in his Theology of the Body in these first handful of catechetical talks actually talks about the fundamental element of the human person and work and discovering part of our purpose in relation to work. As we've been discussing, as we walked through the creation account in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, particularly right now focusing on the creation account in Genesis chapter 2, because God told us the creation account in sacred scripture twice to really make sure we understood fundamental things about who we are as human beings and what we're made for. We've come to understand that we're more like God and less like the rest of the created world, particularly even including the animals. Well, Adam names all the animals and naming them, he discovers and comes to understand that he's radically different from them. He's alone on this earth. And this is why God says it is not good that man should be alone. And that's before he creates Eve. But even in that alone state, Adam recognizes there's no other individual like me. Part of that in understanding the great definition of ourselves as human beings with Adam being that primordial first human being, we come to understand that there's a fundamental dimension of work that we have as human beings. God put Adam in the garden to till and keep the garden. But fundamentally, we understand as human beings, not just Adam as a man, that we're all called to cultivate and transform the world we live in. And I think this is significant. As we look at the created world, the earth is meant to meet the needs of human beings, not vice versa. For some reason, with everything from environmentalism to population control, we tend to get this wrong today as we worship the earth rather than understanding that God created the earth to be subdued by the human person for us to cultivate and transform it. All of that is significant if we actually read something in Genesis chapter 2 that was said before the creation of Adam himself. We actually read before any human person was on the earth. In sacred scripture, it says, No one tilled the ground and made the water of the channels rise from the earth to irrigate the whole soil. What is the point here? In Genesis chapter 2, what it's saying is that there is something missing on earth and that is the human person there to cultivate, transform, and subdue and bring order to what God had created. Not that what God created was disordered per se, but that we are called to cultivate it. The same way if I look at My garden surrounding my house, I have all these different fruit trees and I have tons of rose bushes that I inherited since we bought our new home. And if I don't prune, the rose bushes end up being, and they are right now admittedly, Uh, they are a bunch of dry sticks right now because I didn't prune back and take off the dead roses after they had finished their full bloom in a certain respect, that's a sense of chaos or disorder because we haven't properly allowed for that beauty to continue to transform. We haven't allowed for the energy and the water and the plant to properly produce the plant in a way that is beautiful. That's a part of cultivating and transforming what we have around us. Certain trees won't grow if not properly taken care of. Fruit less fruit will be born. All of this is a part of this understanding of cultivating and transforming the earth. And this was understood in a poignant way by Adam and Eve. In particular, if we hear the story of Adam being created first, that when we read this prior to Adam even being created, No one was there, we read, to till the ground and make the water of the channels rise up from the earth to irrigate the whole soil. So what are we reading? What we're reading here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, that before Adam was there, that there was not as much done as could be done. And it's only through the human person who has a likeness to God with intellect and free will. The ability and the calling to have dominion over the world, not to dominate, but to have dominion, to subdue and bring into submission the sense of cultivating the earth so that man works with creation to function according to the need of the human person, both in function as well as in beauty. At the same time, we understand that the earth, and this is fundamental, is subject to the human person. And I can't emphasize this enough as I repeat it, that we're there to cultivate and transform to bring forth the resources. We are not to become the commodity of the earth to be transformed and manipulated by other human people. And that's significant in the culture we live in where we tend to think that the human person doesn't have a nature or a design. But just as God created the rest of the world and earth and all the plants and the animals, everything has a proper function. Even looking at the food chain, the way plants work, it's all significant. And in the midst of that, there is a line from Pope St. John Paul II that I mentioned yesterday during the series, where Pope St. John Paul II refers to Adam as a body among bodies. That is a body in the midst of all the animals, in the midst of all of the plants, that at the same time as he's a body among bodies, he's so much more. He transcends the rest of creation because he's made, because we as human beings are made in God's image and likeness. And when we understand this, we understand This great sense of responsibility in cultivating the world around us in a certain respect that we tame what we have surrounding us to bring a sense of beauty and a sense of production for food, for cultivating resources to help care for others, bringing a sense of order to what is wild in some respects we could argue is chaotic and again we have to be careful with language here not to say that what god created was chaos Uh, but he did create animals in the wild and we tamed animals so that we could eat them Uh, again the way we even prune a rose bush or a fruit tree has a proper order for it to produce more and to look more beautiful. What's at the core of this whole conversation is this idea of work. And even the whole argument in surrounding artificial intelligence and the strikes in Hollywood with over 76,000, I believe it is, workers protesting strike on strike right now, although you may not care much about what's happening to Hollywood workers and whether or not they're being overpaid or not. At the heart of this is a conversation about the value of the human person and the work we have to offer the world. And that's what's in Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body that we're discussing here on Trending with Timory in this series as we uncover in particular this conversation surrounding work, the idea of subduing the earth, having dominion, producing something, even cultivating beauty to bring about pleasure and how we appreciate and look at the things around us, but also as human beings to take it beyond pleasure into the intellect in appreciation and contemplation of what we see. That ultimately, all of creation as we cultivate it, it leads us to a sense of gratitude. It leads us to a sense of awe and wonder before God who created the world for a purpose and created us for a particular purpose within the world. All of this is giving to a sense of wonder and respect for God's design, for the human design he had for the world. And I think that's significant. The human design, the human stamp, that is meant to occur on this earth, is a good thing. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray here on Relevant Radio. If you've not joined us, we're in the midst of a whole series on Pope St. John Paul II's theology of the body, walking through his 133 catechetical talks. Today, we're concluding the focus that we've been on all week of original solitude, that understanding fundamentally that in Genesis chapter 2, we read, That before the creation of Eve, because there are two creation accounts, one in Genesis 1 when Adam and Eve were made at the same time. Genesis chapter 2, however, we see the creation of Adam first. He then names all the animals before God. And we read that God said, it is not good that man should be alone. What does this original solitude, as theology refers to, mean? Well, I mentioned earlier that from a philosophical and as well as anthropological perspective, it shows us the relationship between the soul and the body, that Adam is a body among other bodies, the animals, the plants, the rest of creation. But he's distinct in that his soul, his body and soul are made for more, made in the image and likeness of God. He's the only thing created that was created in God's image and likeness. It's the only thing. He is the only person set apart, the only body set apart from the rest of creation with this distinct gift. In fact, Pope St. John Paul II says that Adam, that the first human person is the only one able to cultivate the earth and subdue it. So we as human beings are the only ones able to have dominion over the earth and bring order. In other words, exercising our intellect, and our free will, and our human agency and activity. Not ignoring the fact that God has a plan for our lives, that he has a blueprint for our lives, but that we can, again, subdue and bring bring into submission the earth. And when I say bring into submission, that we can't manipulate and force it to do what we want, but that there's order, that there's cultivation, that there's use for all of the created world. So, at the same time, though, when we look at the creation of Adam first and this state of original solitude before Eve is created, God says it's not good that man should be alone. We also have to ponder for just a moment in the state of original solitude what it meant for Adam to know that there was a tree. There was one commandment, the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and that he was given A commandment. In fact, we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, you may eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For when you eat of it, you shall certainly die. What did that mean to Adam? What was death to him? Because he hadn't experienced it and he hadn't seen the death of a human person, perhaps animals. I don't know the length of time necessarily between the creation of Eve and the naming of all the animals if we believe in a literal interpretation of the story, even if you don't believe in a literal interpretation of the story, I go by the fact that this is what God presented, and whether it's literal or not, this is part of our anthropology, uh, the philosophy of the human person. It's part of our theology, and so we need to believe the key concepts that are there. So what did death mean to Adam, though, in the midst of this story? It meant I— would say from what Pope St. John Paul II says in Theology of the Body, that while he did not know death itself of the human person, what Pope St. John Paul II says Adam would have understood is that this comment, this commandment from God that he can eat of everything but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lest he certainly die, Adam would have understood that, Pope St. John Paul II says, as the at least the antithesis, he says, of all that man had in Had been endowed with, of everything he enjoyed up to that point. That the loss of life, that death that God was saying he would experience, would be, again, the loss of what he had, life, how he had it. Adam walked in the garden with God. His experience would be radically different. And so at the same time, in the presence of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and what could happen if Adam ate from that tree. There was a different type of solitude in the life that would be experienced if Adam ate from that tree. And as we see, part of that is a solitude of loneliness and isolation, not because there aren't other human people, but because we don't properly understand our relationship with God and we don't properly understand our relationship with others. Our Horizontal and vertical relationships were severed in the fall of Adam and Eve, in the taking on of eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The death that occurred led to a solitude radically different from the solitude that Adam understood before. A solitude before Eve was created prior to the fall led him to a greater understanding of himself, of his free agency, of his intellect, that he's also created for love, for companionship. That was a positive definition of original solitude. But once the fall occurred, solitude that came with the eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil severed his relationship from God, from man, and the rest of creation. Chaos ensued, and our tendency towards sin occurred. In the human person being like God, we understand more by understanding ourselves in relation to God than understanding ourselves in relation to the world. Part of the fall is this struggle with the earth, but also the struggle with knowing God, with loving him, with overcoming our sin. The invisible world Pope St. John Paul II talks about determines man more than the visible world. So in other words, the material world that we tend to focus so much on, material wealth, material happiness, material sexual complementarity. At the end of the day, although all of that is good, as God says, because he created it, we understand more about ourselves when we focus as well on the invisible world, our likeness to God, that we're made for relationship and love, the understanding of the pursuit of happiness. Even this in, within the context of the perspective of career and pleasure. I think there are many conclusions that can be drawn as we end this conversation on this key point Pope St. John Paul II is pointing to of this idea of original solitude, where we understand the historical state of man prior to the fall is that original state of solitude, that original state of innocence, impurity in the relationship of Adam understanding himself in that solitude before God. Today, when we talk about solitude— we often think of it from the perspective of loneliness, isolation, the abuse and despair we've experienced in our relationships, how we shut our hearts off, our bodies off, our minds off to relationships with other people out of fear of being hurt or harmed again. And yet, solitude, in the midst of the darkness of the culture we maybe experience, even the solitude we experience now after the fall. If we are choosing to pursue God, will lead us to a greater sense of ourselves, of our free agency, of our intellect, of our ability to know, love, and serve God, of our likeness to God, that we're made to be with Him. The answer to the crisis of our culture, predominantly today we see is a mental health crisis, influencing many areas and leading to many and various lifestyles, might I say adverse lifestyles, to the blueprint God created for us in the human person, for all human people, because we share in a common nature. That's actually what's significant. We're going to talk about this understanding of original unity, that after this understanding that Adam was alone in the garden, God created Eve, and God took Eve literally from the body of Adam to show this joint nature, this joint human nature to show the goodness of the human person, the duplication of the human person, and to help Adam in coming to understand that yes, he is radically different from the rest of creation, that can procreate and continue to bring forth its species and the plants and animals, but that in the procreation of the human person, in an act of love, in an act of self-control, that new life can come through the grace of God but through love itself, and that is what and who God is, and that's what we're created for. And when we understand from Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, fundamentally, that we're made in his image and likeness, and in that original solitude, Adam being the primordial human person, the representative of us all, we understand ourselves before God first, and then we understand ourselves before other human beings. And that's the journey that all of us have. I receive all kinds of questions all the time for different tips and resources for different states in life and experiences at the end of the day. We can read all the self-help books in the world and many of them can help us. But if we're too focused on self-help that is outside of the growth in our relationship with God, adoration of Him, being in awe of Him, and seeking to conform our lives to Him, as occurred with Adam prior to the fall in the garden. The self-help books will only last for so long. The changes we make to our lives will be fleeting. But in God, we are a new creation, as St. Paul says. And in God, grace can abound where our human frailty can get in the way of the relationships and various dynamics and bad habits and outright sin we struggle with. So I encourage you, go running to confession. Strive to live in a state of sin so that you can re- rediscover that original state of solitude that occurred in the garden so that you can be in a state of grace to live side by side in relationship with God and find that eternal joy and happiness.